0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Making Money Simple podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about SIPs and I'm joined by Tara from At All Our Best Intentions on Instagram. Tara, how are you doing this evening?
1: Oh, very good. Thanks, Ryan. Nice to be here. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you, too. And I'm very glad you're here because I get a serious amount of questions about SIPs and for anyone not yeah essentially do with pensions and we're going to be digging deep into them I get quite a few questions about them on Instagram and I personally have got a workplace pension not a SIP so I'm not that knowledgeable on them but I'm going to be giving Tara a bit of a quiz and she's going to be running us through the basics of how they work who they're for and some providers that we can use if we actually want to open up a SIP but before we get into that I've got a quick dad joke I do do the odd dad joke um, before we start the podcast <laughs> I'm going to do one this episode so the joke is My wife told me I had to stop being a Flamingo. So I had to put my foot down. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. When I heard that, I was cracking up. I understand. I do appreciate it's not the best joke in the world. But we'll move straight past that and get straight into SIPs. (laughs) So, Tara, I guess the first thing is, what does SIP stand for? And what are they for a beginner to understand?
1: Sure. um, Well, SIP... Is uh, not something you do with a drink, although it's really <laughs> doing. It's um, a self-invested personal pension, um, which is slightly less exciting sounding, I'm sure. Um, yeah,
0: they
1: they are, as as the sort of name would suggest, a way in which you can save for a pension, um, retirement income. Um, there are lots of different ways in which we can save for, for our retirement, and, and that's that's one option. Um, as you were saying earlier, Ryan, there are workplace pensions which um, kind of make it really easy for, for retirement savings because yeah. your employer has to package up all of the, the pensions and decide where the money gets invested. People might might not realise this, but if you are in a pension, you are investing um, so they will decide where that money gets invested and they will default you into a certain level of contributions, a certain level of savings amount. Um, the minimum would be 4% of your annual um, income or m- monthly income. Yeah. Um, then 3% from the employer. So that's like amazing free money. Um, free
0: money. Never yeah. say no to free money.
1: <laughs> free money. Um, and then you kind of get another additional 1%, um, which comes from the government because that money all gets paid in before you pay tax and they, you kind of get that that income tax money back so that's the workplace pension which tends to be the most popular option um but you haven't asked me to talk about them you've talked, asked me to talk about SIPs um,
0: yeah I guess before you get into the SIPs in more detail so then if we are offered a workplace pension like for example my employer offers a workplace pension is it better to choose that over a SIP
1: yeah, really, really good point. So I think that there are a few things to consider and why you would choose a SIP over any other savings vehicle is yeah. uh, is there's, there's some things to, to think about. The main thing I would say is that employer contribution piece, the free money I just I just spoke about, um it's unlikely that the employer is going to move that over into a SIP. It's a lot of aggro and headache for them. And a lot of employers will just say, no, you know, if you choose to s- save in a SIP, go DIY, then, you know, that's up to you and you lose that matching. And, you know, there are some reasons why you might choose to, to, to save in a SIP. and I'll, I'll go into those in just a second, but it's got to be a really good reason if you're prepared to lose out on that employer matching. So I would say that get that, that employer matching make sure you're getting the most amount of free money that you can out of the company you're working for and you're putting your blood sweat and tears into um, <laughs> before you then think about moving your money into a into a diy option
0: yeah that makes sense and thank you for like talking us through the differences so then going on to a sip why would you use one of them and what are the benefits of them are they more for self-employed people or maybe people who work for themselves as opposed to have an employer
1: yeah so the way yeah exactly so the, the main use of a sip i would say is is self-employed people um they don't have an employer who's making it easy for them and actually the, the really sad reality is only 25 percent of self-employed people who earn over 26 grand a year which is about 500 pounds a week are saving into a pension 25 and i think
0: i heard a. I think i heard a, yeah that stat actually that is mm. actually mental isn't it so yeah. few people
1: nuts and and if you think well ryan you did a post last earlier this week i think about pensions and how small mm. people actually are i mean gosh the 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 self-employed people are at the lower end of an already low average so um you know we talk about self-care for self-employed people a lot everyone's saying you know self-employed people need to look after their mental health they need to make sure that they're sleeping well looking after their diet and exercise but actually a really key part of self-care for self-employed people would be making sure they're investing into a pension because yeah it's like a no-brainer of a business venture it's kind of average seven percent return plus the government's giving you a, a top-up you know why, yeah why so do
0: you, do you want to talk us through that government top-up or the, or the tax relief how, how does that work so because i think people maybe I, I guess the first point to make is you get the tax relief in both a workplace pension and for a sip but how, how does it actually work in practice
1: yeah exactly so yeah i was saying you get that that tax top up in the workplace pension that happens without you thinking about it because you pay it before you're taxed in a SIP yeah. you've obviously earned that income and been taxed on it before it goes into the SIP so you've got to go knocking on the on the government's door and ask them for <laughs> the, for for your money um if you are a basic rate taxpayer that will happen automatically for you so within a SIP they will automatically give you the 20 percent back If you are a higher rate taxpayer, then you need to do that through a tax return, which is quite annoying, quite a lot of effort. um, But it it it. get some money
0: back. You got to do it.
1: (laughs) Definitely worth it to get the to get the money back. So, yeah, if you are self employed and you are earning over forty k, and you're saving into the SIP, then you really should be making sure that you're you're claiming that on your tax return, and you're getting you're getting paid that that extra cap.
0: Yeah, sounds good. So then SIPs, so the tax relief is very good. And I guess, yeah, it's free money you're getting essentially because, and I get another question I get quite a bit is, should I use a pension or should I use an ISA? Well, the main, I guess a SIP is obviously one type of pension. And the main difference is that with a pension, like a SIP, you pay out of your gross income, as you mentioned, Tara. So you essentially avoid some income tax, either 20% or 40% of your basic or high rate taxpayer. But then with an ISA, it's the opposite. So you actually pay tax and then contribute to your ISA out of your net pays, you've already paid income tax. And that's why money pay, money grows in an ISA tax-free, whereas with a pension, you obviously have to pay tax, unfortunately, when you get to retirement age. Um, Yeah. in terms of a SIP, then could there be a situation where you could have a SIP and a workplace pension, or does that just not really make any sense?
1: Yeah, no, you you can, and and some people do. So that's the sort of the next reason why you might you might use a SIP is if you wanted to explore different investment options. So say you've you've maxed out your employer matching and you're, you're getting as much of that free money as, as you can. You might think actually there there are other types of investments that I want to access that I can't access through my workplace pension, and the big reason you might do that is sustainability concerns. So um, it's really common at the moment where people are taking an interest in, you know, in ensuring that companies that they're investing in are aligned with their values, um, whether that's climate change, diversity, all these big issues that that society are facing at the moment. So you might say. I'll take I'll take a sip so that I can invest my money in a way that's more aligned to to my to my values and and actually it's it's a really powerful way of voting kind of with your with your feet um hmm. the pensions industry represents trillions of pounds and companies will start listening when pension money starts moving away from them <laughs> and so if we if we really want to drive change then you know that's that's an interesting way of doing it but that's when I come back to what I was saying earlier I mean, you've got you've got to think how much you care about certain issues or a wider range of investment options versus whether you know that's worth giving up that that employer matching piece
0: yeah so that, that's quite interesting so i guess that's sort of mainly aimed at and they definitely should be used by self-employed people but if you are uh, working in a company you still could and probably should have a sip after your employer match you've matched that, that contribution um I guess because it's just another way to get, yeah, tax relief and free money from the government. Because I didn't even think of that because I guess my personal approach at the moment, I match my employer match where I work. I then put any extra like investments into a stocks and shares ISA. And then Mm. my approach would be if I could max out the ISA, which is a 20K allowance, which I mean, I probably won't for a while. But one day when I max it out, I would then go back to my pension and probably have to open up a SIP. And then I guess, yeah, try and utilize the rest of my 40K pension allowance um but could there be an argument to use my sip before using my ISA allowance
1: I mean there could be it's very individual um yeah because
0: I get that question a lot and I just say what I do I use my ISA first but it's sort of personal preference because pensions are less flexible because you have to like they're locked away until you retire but then
1: it depends on it depends on what your objective is if you can if you're comfortable and you're happy that you don't need to access that money until you're 55 at the earliest then absolutely no-brainer it's the most tax-efficient vehicle free money we've said it a lot um but <laughs> most people are thinking about things like buying houses maybe you know going traveling taking sabbaticals mm. you know things that might Good happen point expensive in the in the near term and just want to have that optionality in which case a, sit, a an ISA is is definitely the next best thing um you know lifetime ISA is that you know really good option for that that house buying goal um and stocks and shares ISA is good for things that are kind of three to five years away but yeah it's it's a really difficult one because if you were just looking at it objectively and thinking how am I going to get the most bang for my buck out of my savings then yes max out your 40k allowance in in your pension. Um, The only other thing to think about on that, and this is particularly relevant if you are starting this journey quite young. So say if you're starting working, is the lifetime cap. So 40k a year is the annual cap, but there is a total of a million pounds lifetime allowance cap into a pension. Which you might think, oh okay, well I'm putting this much in each year, then you know it'll take me a lot of time to get up to a million. But actually, once you take into consideration investment returns and compounding, and then you're looking yeah. at 30 plus years, you can get to a million pretty quickly if you're starting at 21. So mm-hmm. maxing out your 40K a year, you just have to think about that. If if you're, if well, I, I don't know how many 21-year-olds are putting 40K a year in their pension. but <laughs> so to think no, no, about. That,
0: That's a great point, actually, because I remember learning about that in one of the tax exams I had to do um, recently. And essentially, am I right in saying that if you earn over that lifetime allowance so if you build up in your pension pot more than a million pounds then it gets taxed very harshly right which is why it could be worth considering if you're starting very young to maybe on purpose not max out your pension allowance and instead use the stocks and shares isa allowance
1: yeah exactly so what i would probably suggest is looking at things like so pension b have a really great pensions calculator and you can you can start looking at well if i'm saving this much and i'm earning this much and my employer is contributing this much what do you think you'll end up with when you want to retire and you can start working from there you know back how much you think you should be putting in at this stage um i i personally and this is this is probably counterintuitive given that i'm you know, it's supposed to be encouraging people to save more money. <laughs> I think life's a living, right and so we need to make sure we have enough money to fund us through retirement. but yeah you know, there's no point in in you know popping clo- popping your clogs when when you've got millions of pounds sitting there in your bank account and you haven't been able to, to spend it. So I definitely think it's a balance and make sure you're putting enough aside to make sure you're comfortable in the future. but obviously spending some money in the in the short and medium term is is, is what life's about.
0: Yeah, and I really like that point. And I'm really glad you brought up that lifetime allowance and the different allowances and stuff as well. I think you've got to try and find that balance between spending money to have fun and traveling and experiences and all of that stuff, whilst then, I guess, saving, or sorry, investing into different investment vehicles, one being a pension, which is like securing your sort of long-term retirement and future, and then one being... Maybe a stocks and shares ISA or even some like rental properties, and maybe in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. So you can still live off your investments before you hit retirement age, if that makes sense. So it's a lot to juggle and balance. But I think finding that key between, yeah, having fun and then saving in a pension and an ISA. If you can can manage that perfectly, then you're probably doing pretty well for yourself. Um, And I know you mentioned it as well, but this is a very beginner question, but just to double check, when you use a SIP as well, that money is also locked away until you're 55 at the earliest, similar to a workplace pension. Yes,
1: yeah,
0: it is. Okay, cool. Next question I had is, in terms of actual providers or brokers or platforms to use a SIP, what are some of the good ones or the big ones in the UK where we can go, if i was looking to open up a sip today
1: um yeah okay i w- just quickly before we do that just think in terms of um how much people should be saving into their pension i just remembered a really interesting rule of thumb yeah. which is half your age when you start in percentage so if I've you start- that
0: before as well, actually. Half yeah.
1: 20 you can save 10 percent of your salary a year until you retire if you start at 30 it's 15 and so obviously the later you leave it the more you've missed out on compounding so anyway there, there you go there's a there's a really simple
0: no, I think point. that's a good I think that's a good point actually Tara because a lot of people ask me about how much I should save or invest and I normally just say really as much as possible like obviously how enjoy yourself but if you can save as much as possible or invest as much as possible then you'll I guess eventually achieve financial freedom earlier but mm. if, I feel like people do like having rules of thumb and certain percentages to aim for so I think that's a good point that you brought up just then
1: yeah, for sure. No, it, it definitely helps um, take out the complication rather than going and looking at pensions calculators. <laughs> what I just said. Anyway, where to go? Yeah. Um, well, there are a few different sort of broad categories. Um, the first, I think, and what people tend to default to is the DIY platform, so the Hargreaves Lansdown, AJ Bells, um, as well as as Vanguard. The second is the robo advisors. So these have been. Mm-hmm. You know, massively popular way of people getting started investing. So places like Money, Farm, and Wealthify they also offer SIPS. So you can go down that route, and you can get invested using their shiny algorithms. Um, and they will, you know, put you in a in an investment strategy that's appropriate for your your risk profile. The third area is um, probably less glam, but a lot more like a workplace pension, and companies like Nest um and pension b they have um investment defaults for for that for sips and pensions so they will not only kind of give you a investment strategy today but they'll then manage that over time for you as you kind of approach retirement which is normally what your workplace pension is doing for you so a lot of people will be invested in a default strategy that evolves with them as they get older um nest and and pension b do do something similar so um that that sort of makes it slightly easier, but obviously, a lot of people invest in SIPs because they want the DIY side of things, so yeah. that's why the, the Hargreaves, Lansdowne, AJ Bell, Vanguard type solutions are, are the more popular ones.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for that overview, that's very helpful. I didn't know quite a few of them providers offered SIPs, so I guess if people want more control and autonomy and DIY, they're better going towards Hargreaves, Lansdowne, Vanguard, and AJ Bell, but then if they're maybe less confident and want to be more hands-off and then probably at the expense of being a higher fee i guess then you go towards the other providers because they're sort of doing more for you and then am i right in saying they would you have this more hands-off but higher fee
1: um it wouldn't necessarily be so the the pensions world um in the default options are all um under a fee cap so they will be pretty low cost um but I mean, yeah, and, and they'll almost certainly be investing largely in in index funds and default options, um, and the platforms will charge a fee as well. So you know, I, I was recently looking into this because I've big news moved from Hargreaves Lansdown to AJ Ooh, there, um, Traitor.
0: Now joking. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you move then? Because I, I know that two very popular platforms, and um, a lot of people mess like when they message me, they often have an account on. One of them two platforms um, and Vanguard's another big one. So if, why did you move from HL to AJ?
1: So really it came down to, to costs. so for exa- exactly what we're, what we're talking about. I, I was with Hargreaves Lanzan for ages mainly because a lot of people when I first started working were using them and so I thought oh you know that's hmm. a good way to get started investing. Robo advisors didn't really exist at the time or they were they weren't very popular. Um, and so I did some research and, and really the, the main issues came down to AJ Bell has a slightly less user friendly app, um, mm. which I don't know if I entirely agree with. I mean, I've only been using them for about two weeks, so I, I haven't really <laughs> really used it that that much, but slightly less user friendly app. But they are 20 basis points, 0.2% cheaper. And I was like, oh, yeah. it's going to have to be a far, really, really far more inconvenient app to justify having you know a 0.2 percent higher um higher fee so I thought oh if it was if it was close I probably would have stayed because I'm a human and I'm a bit lazy but I was like no this (laughs) this is worth the shift and so I'm going to give AJ Bella a chance they have very similar funds that are available on there um and it's and it's the platform fee is cheaper so it's that platform fee that that is what you're paying for over and above the the kind of index index fund fee um and and you know uh, underlying fund fees and, and actually, I wouldn't necessarily say that the likes of, of Nest will be you know, significantly more expensive. But, but yeah, if you're just going Vanguard index funds, then yeah, they will be a little bit. But so will AJ Bell and Hargoofs Lansdowne.
0: Yeah, because so I was going to say, that's quite a good point. So, I think, so my stocks and shares ISA, I really only invest into one fund monthly. So I could also do that with, I could have an account with AJ Bell or Hargreaves Lansdowne because they both offer the same fund. But Vanguard is the cheapest on cost out of those three in terms of the platform fee because the fund fee will be the same no matter what, which platform I use. So that's why I choose to use Vanguard. But I guess with SIPs, as you sort of mentioned, there is a lot more flexibility and you can, I assume on like Hargreaves Lansdown, for example, you can invest into individual stocks, you can invest into ETS, index funds, REITs, a whole range of options are available
1: yeah exactly and 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 also if you know we we're talking earlier if one of the big reasons why you're using a SIP over over a workplace pension for example is sustainability actually a lot of those environmental and social considerations are only integrated into active funds and so you may you may choose to go down a more flexible route if that's if that's the thing that, that you're thinking about but look they're all much for much less I think the 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 real thing is getting invested and getting the money in mm. um, the rest is 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 largely tinkering um and, and yeah
0: that's yeah. a great tip And well, i think i always say this f- phrase like stop waiting start investing the thing mm. is with investing it's not like a mortgage where you're locked into some sort of fixed contract for 30 years with investing you can change what like platform you're using you can change what you're invested into it's not like you're sort of if you pick a fund on aj bell you haven't got to stick with that fund for the next 20 years you could switch to Hargreaves Lansdowne and start using individual stocks. So I think people, yeah, need to, needs to do a bit of research, see which platform is the best for them. And when people ask me about choosing the platform, I normally say start with the end in mind. Think what you want to invest into. If you want to invest into individual stocks, then Vanguard is not for you. But if you're only going to invest into Vanguard funds, Vanguard probably is for you. So you think what you're going to invest into, then you can work backwards to see what like platform is the best for you. And it seems like the same applies to choosing a platform for your SIP as well
1: yeah 100 percent. that's it that's exactly it and and as you say there there is flexibility built into it you can move things around like you can move your ices around as well so you're not you're not wedded to that and and constrained uh going forward so yeah i think start with the end of mind is a brilliant phrase more people and should...
0: i got one more oh sorry <laughs> sorry i yeah. cut you off then what did you say
1: i said more people should do that start with the end in mind
0: yeah. One final question for you, and then we'll finish the podcast. How long did it actually take you to transfer from AJ Bell to H- to HL to AJ Bell? Did it take you a few weeks or was it a month? Because I think that's another common question people have when they, they're worried about switching providers it taking months and months. But how much did your how long did your switch take?
1: Oh um Well actually, um what I did was <laughs> sold sold everything out of my ISO to buy a house and then oh, wow. started- Started a new one um with AJ Buzz. So I actually didn't do the transfer. I mean, I just sort of, I moved from one one to the other when I started my new ISA. But I know actually I helped my mum do it, and she said it, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a clunky process. um But I, I think it was weeks rather than months.
0: That's good because when I sw- when I switched my ISA years ago over to Vanguard, it took about a month. So as a rule of thumb, I normally say about a month to people. But I didn't know if a pension would be more instant or much more but it seems to be a similar sort of time frame then um
1: yeah yeah the um i think they are getting getting better i mean it's it's like um the transition that we had in current accounts where it was it was really clunky to change current accounts and now it happens overnight basically i think they are they are improving but um it's still not perfect i don't want to make it yeah. easy to take your money away from them i guess <laughs>
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um but Tara, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. Really appreciate it. I didn't know a lot of that stuff, so I'm increasing my own education on sips, and hopefully people um who are listening also manage to increase their education. The last thing I'll finish on, I know you're at all our best intentions on Instagram. Is there anything else you'd like to plug here at the end for anyone listening?
1: Oh well, I just you know, we're all about talking about money and getting people to prioritise their financial well-being. So, you know, come and follow us, um, check out. We've got a money gym, um, which is all absolutely nice. free. So check out our uh, on our website at bestintentions.life and just start the conversation, start talking about money. We love to talk to people. So just, yeah, let me know. Myself and co-founder Mel are always free to chat and, and love, love all, all of the money stuff. So whatever it is, investing, pensions, debt, saving, you name it, we'll talk about it.
0: The whole job, the whole lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for coming on, Tara. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan. It's been really great to chat, and yeah, nice to nice to get this subject aired.
0: And it may be another sips one in the future. If people have questions from this one, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to um, Tara at all your best intentions. And yeah, we may end up doing another sip podcast in the future. Who knows?